I remember the first time that I saw a video of a child who was identified as transgender and it was I am Jazz if you all know Jazz Jennings and that turned into that TV show I am Jazz and I remember seeing it and this child was talking about how I oh gosh I'm having such a hard time choosing how to use the pronouns for, uh, correctly and correctly I mean like what corresponds with truth not what corresponds with their perceived reality so this child said they were a girl with a boy body and I remember just being really confused thinking you know it was almost like I was caught in between these two worlds wondering how to reconcile them like how this child looks like a girl you know has like long hair and spoke kind of like a girl but I knew that the child was male. So then I started asking myself, you know, the same question that I think a lot of people at the, who are at least honest ask themselves, okay, what, what does it mean? You know, but what, what's the, the final definition of male and female? And went down that rabbit hole for a while. Watched a, a couple other, you know, videos through over years. I shouldn't say a couple other. I watched hundreds of videos of several different people who identified as transgender. And I was like, how, this is so confusing because there was all, there was that battle with bathrooms, you know, um, with in several different states, where does someone go to the bathroom? And there, there's the, the notorious bathroom bill, right? Of saying either people could go into the bathroom that corresponded with their gender identity or people had to go into the bathroom that corresponded with their biological sex. And there's all these arguments surrounding it. And obviously in California, if you are in a public school, you can go into whatever bathroom you want. California doesn't hold to a correspondence view of truth, which means that truth is what corresponds with reality. Uh, an objective reality, not a, a perceived or a standpoint epistemology type of reality. So anyway, I, I remember thinking, why am I having a hard time like looking at this, let's say YouTube star who looks like a girl, like very much like a girl if I saw them in, you know, walking around anywhere. Why would I have a hard time saying he to this person who looks like a girl. Well, I mean, there's just the basic reality that there are males and females and anything that looks like a female that takes on those secondary characteristics of a female, I'm going to assume is a female. Now, most of these, well, pretty much anyone who I've ever seen that actually looks female and is an adult has had to go through some type of either surgery, even cosmetic facial surgery, or they've had to take hormones, cross-sex hormones, and suppress their natural hormone secretion. So I, it dawned on me, I'm watching this video right now, of someone responding to a um, YouTuber who identifies as transgender, and I'm thinking, oh, it the way that 
our society has perceived females or has what it has made female to be is someone who idolizes superficial beauty because you can see these people and you think oh that's like an attractive woman but okay he's not a woman that's a male so what is he missing he has like you you know face value you see him and you think oh that that's a female you know it's a really pretty female wow okay but they're not female now why aren't they female our society has so idolized and elevated this this idea of this this superficial beauty right the the makeup and the hair and the kind of soft jawline and uh, the small body and the large breast and the wide hips whatever and you can you can manufacture that pretty much on anybody but what they lack is really what makes a woman a woman and that is the facilities for making babies the facility right the 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 um, like for instance a washing machine doesn't become a dryer just because you put a different label on it right on the front it's still made to wash clothes it's made to let water go through it to spin the clothes around to mix up the detergent a dryer is made fundamentally differently than a washing machine. So even if you change the label on the outside, you change the knobs, you make it look different, you write dryer, what you know, whatever on it, it still remains what it is. So it's interesting because our society and even so many Christians have devalued so much what it means to be female because we've said, well, being female is so much more than you know, being able to have kids or having kids. And I'm like, no, that's pretty much the most amazing thing. What makes a woman a woman is having the facility to have children. And hopefully that potential is realized in the vast majority of women that they're able to reproduce and have children. That is the fundamental difference. And that is exactly what every transgender or let's say self-identified transgender female lacks is the facility for baby creation a baby will never be created in their body they'll never nurture that baby all through the nine months they'll never birth that baby never it will never happen they'll never nurse that baby for years year year or years however long that will never be the case so they've denigrated what it meant to be female by saying it you know it's not really important that think back to the sexual revolution it's not really that important that women have kids and when that got so embedded in our society's mind then what was satan able to do is able to do this bait and switch and say actually you don't even need to be able to have kids at all to be female. You don't even need to have a uterus. You don't have a vagina. You don't have to have any of that built in. You don't have to have any of that from birth. It doesn't have to look a certain way in order for you to be a woman. A woman is just what you say it is. And really what it is to most people is the external appearance of beauty but they're lacking the most fundamental aspects of what it means to be female. So it just dawned on me when I was watching this video 
about how obsessed we are with the superficial, external, physical beauty, and we've so denigrated the true beauty of femininity, and that is the birthing of children, the nurture of children, the nurture of people, the caring of people, the making of a home. Um, it's all become so fleeting. So just now I heard my door, but one of the bedroom doors kind of try to open, and whenever I hear it like really squeaking, I can tell that Ezra, my two-year-old, is trying to get out because he's not as good at opening doors as Asher is. So I went over there, and he's already been in trouble like several times tonight. Went over there, and he's standing at the door, and he's really sweet and crazy, those two combined. So it's hard to like get mad at him. So I open the door, and he's standing there with his skeleton pajamas. He's like, Mommy, this is yours. And he has my chopstick. And, you know, tr he's trying to be all nice, like he's giving it back. But it's Burt's Bees. I always use Burt's Bees. And I smell him, and he just smells like a giant peppermint stick. And I'm like, oh, thanks. I, I don't say anything. I don't even want to open up this can of worms, you know. Like, you definitely use my, you know, have been using my chopstick. And I put him back in his bed. And then I open, <laughs> I open the chopstick as I leave. And it's completely empty, like scooped out. Like his finger, like went in there and scooped everything. So parenthood. So back on the this topic of, you know, being of femininity and being female. So it's made me think of my becoming a mom and how like ridiculously hard it was for me. I thought of myself as a very competent person and I guess for some reason I thought I, I kind of had the same perception of what it meant to be female. Like, what, what it mean to be female? Yeah, you were able to give bear, ch you know, bear children, make children, and give birth. But I had kind of a low view of it, because and I realized that because when I got pregnant, I didn't want to tell anyone in my family because it was like embarrassing to me. It was almost like I was did great. Like, first of all, oh, they knew what I did, and second of all, I felt like looked down upon. I don't even know why. I don't know why I had that perception. My family did kind of hold to a more of like Victorian, you know, view of women. Like you, do, you, and and the way that we discussed topics related to reproduction was very hush hush. Like you separated the sexes to ever talk about anything like that. We didn't say underwear, bra, like anything in mixed company. So I think it made me feel a little bit ashamed of what it meant to like be pregnant. And then especially the birth and breastfeeding process. I remember starting nursing and just being so overwhelmed by it and by people knowing that I was nursing that I would always go in another room. And then I felt very like secluded and isolated, I should say. I isolated myself. I wasn't able to enjoy the process of becoming a mom with anybody. So if anyone is going through that or has gone through that, you're definitely not alone in that. I get so much joy when I see, and really truly do get so much joy when I see women who become moms and they just like, they go and they're so excited and they like eat up being a mom. And they love, you know, their kid. They want to do stuff with their kid all the time. They love the snuggles. They love all that stuff. I was like, give me space. Like, I, I, like, I felt like my life died, you know. 
and I was having to give it all away. And in some sense, it's so true. Like your life kind of does like that part of your life dies. It transitions. It goes into something else. And I was not ready or willing to really let it die. So I think I was so trying to go back to what it was before that it made it so much more painful and the bonding experience so much more difficult. So after the second time and the third time, so after my third child, it's God has so tremendously changed my heart. And I think also because I've had much more teaching, biblical teaching about womanhood, what it means to be a woman. And I can embrace that and love it and submit to that and rejoice in that, that I don't have to make the final decision for my family. That's on my husband. He's responsible for our protection. He's responsible for providing for us. And I can really rejoice and be glad in providing emotionally, providing for everyone emotionally, making my home, taking care of my kids, etc. But I will tell you that that was, that is still, I mean, something that I'm unlearning, like the, the shame of that I held with being a woman. I'm still unlearning that and I'm still learning what it means to rejoice in being female. And it's very hard with all the noise around us of what the world says, you know, being female is being female is, you know, I am woman, hear me roar. I'm like, wait, okay. I know there's strength with femininity, but does it really look like, you know, I am female, hear me roar. Look at my independence. Well, no, I, I don't really, I don't, I don't think the Bible ha- gives any indication that the something central to being female is being independent. It's actually much more dependent than independent. So that's one thing. But it's not Victorian. You know, there isn't this, this idea of, well, women should just sit around and do nothing and just have babies and that's it. That's all they do. Like, okay, that's kind of a godless idea of femininity as well, especially when you look at the Proverbs 31 woman. She was industrious. She cared for her children. She worked with her hands. She was strong. She was smart. But her orientation was toward the home. That was really what she was geared toward. And as we read in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, the creation of Eve was toward her husband. Adam was made from the dust and his work, his orientation, his what he was supposed to accomplish, what God set him out to accomplish was toward the dirt. It was toward work. It was toward subduing the land. And Eve was made from the side of Adam and her orientation was toward him, toward helping him in the process of him accomplishing his task. So it has so shaped the way that I've thought because even in the ministries that I grew up in, not really, not so much my church that I grew up in, but the ministries that I was in later in college were much more egalitarian and didn't have any type of defined roles for different for men and women. And some people might think, oh, that's so great. You know, you, there's there's things that, you know, parachurch organizations or, you know, groups like that don't really need to have a defined, don't need don't need to have defined as well as churches do. But I think that is such a mistake because there is so much confusion, right? God is so clear in 
what our our tasks really should be pointed to and oriented to, where the roles in the church are, where the roles in society are, where roles in family are. And to strip that away, you're really stripping away so much joy in being female and being male, and in my case, in being female. So I, I didn't have a refined idea of what it meant to be female. It was just kind of like, I'm biologically different, but that's it. That's the only difference between being a woman and being a man. So I I wasn't able to rejoice in what it meant to be a woman and to make things beautiful, to be the glory of man, to be the one that brings in the personality, the joy, the emotion, the tone, the temperament of a home and of every situation, of hosting, of of loving people and being generous and hospitable. So there's so much more now that I get to rejoice in, in being a mom and being a friend and being a wife, a daughter that I wasn't able to before because I really don't think it was defined super well in most of the cultures that I was in, most of the settings that I was in. And I, I also think there was just too much of a focus on career you know, where are you going to go after high school? Where, what job are you going to get? What, what field do you want to get into? And that really should be reserved much more. I'm not saying exclusively, but much more for men. That should be a question that men are asked much more than women. I so wish I was trained in how, in, in, um, housekeeping for more than just my mom. My mom definitely did that. And I'm so thankful for that. And, so grateful that I had my mom, my grandma, and my other grandmas, you know, setting those examples. But in terms of really being, having a culture around me that was very, and very direct in how to disciple me as a woman and to become a wife and a mom, I, I so wish there was more focus and time on that. And I really hope to do that with the, my daughter and the people that I'm around, the younger women I'm around. So anyway, this is just kind of a little episode on what, what all of this means to be, to be female and how really it's so subverted in our culture. The, the, what, what is praiseworthy about being female is subverted. And then what really is not integral to being female is idolized. And that's how you get part of this transgender movement so deeply rooted even into Christianity today. So we're going to fight back, though, as we, as Christians do. We resist. We resist the devil, and he will flee from us. But we have to do it together. Can't do it alone. All right, see you next time.